So if you were here in December and you got the opportunity to hear my wonderful husband, who I really do actually think is one of the most gifted communicators, he kind of went on a roll in December. It was like a one-man comedy show at times, for real, like just telling stories without all the details. And he said at one point, he said, I have the mic, but you'll get your chance, Shanda. So you know what he did? He gave me the chance. And I'm so tempted right now to clarify the story of him wrapping gifts in the wrong color wrapping paper when it was so clear what was the actual paper. But he gave me the subject of temptation. <laughs> Come on, is that fair? Is that fair? Like so tempted right now to just clear the books on some things. No, I can't. Oh, you'll have to wait for another message, another day. But today I have the privilege of just finishing up our, serve, our, our series on adulting. It's been so great. I think there's been um, Craig and Daniel and the others have done such an amazing job of laying out just some practical steps that we can use to help us. That, that, that ancient wisdom of God's word that is so applicable to our lives today. And you know, you may not know this, I didn't know this, but Julius Caesar in, on January 1st in 46 BC, he actually, that's when he declared, this will be the beginning of a new year. And he actually encouraged his subjects to take time to commit to personal improvement. Did you know that the New Year's Eve resolution came about in like 46 BC? No idea. It's something that's been in our culture and been around for decades. So it really made sense for us as we were praying about what God would have us be speaking and planning out the calendar for the different topics that we would talk on. And we just felt like this adulting series would be one that would just be able to help put into your hands those tools that would help you to um, successfully navigate maybe those New Year's resolutions that you've made. I personally am not a New Year's resolution person. I just know myself too well, and it's setting myself up for failure, to be all perfectly honest. But what I do try and do, because I'm also not really great at pausing and reflecting, I do take time at the beginning of a new year, because it just seems like a natural um, opportunity to just, it's, it's a, something new, something fresh, it's another year, and there's hope in that. Just take, I just try to pause and reflect and maybe I'm just a little bit slow, but sometimes it's more about a season of what God's doing for me. And it takes maybe like about 16 or 18 months, but I still take that January time to just, Lord, what are you saying to me? What is your, what is your word for me right now? What, what, what have I been walking through in this last season? Where are you trying to get me? So it's such a great opportunity to do that. I really believe um, a couple things as, as I was preparing and as I've been praying for us as a church over this, this last month and in this series, I really believed that um, I was praying for myself. Lord, would you open my ears to hear? Would you open my eyes to see? Lord, that as each one of these messages, which in some ways are so simple, but so profound, God, help me to listen for me and not my husband. Help me to listen for me 
and not the person at the end of the row. And as I was praying that for myself, I've just been praying that over you as our Horizon family this last month, that God would just begin to speak to you in these moments and in these simple things, that you would grab a hold of that promise because the whole point of adulting is that we would begin to grab a hold of the verse that, that it's kind of been anchored around in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes and he will come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. To steal your promise. To steal your hope. To kill your ability to see beyond where you are. But the rest of the verse, I love the rest of the verse. I have come that you may have life. This is Jesus speaking to us. And that you may have it more abundantly. More abundantly. And I've just been, it's just been heavy on my spirit because I do believe that 2020 for many of us here this morning is going to be an amazing year of abundance and overflow. I'm just speaking that over you right now. And whether you grab a hold of everything that we've been talking about, of all of the adulting topics, but 2020 is going to be a year of abundance. It's going to be a year of more than enough. Exceeding our expectation, going be past all the limits. I believe God is blowing the limits that we place on our life out of the water this year. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. And the whole point of why we've been wanting to preach this message is not to bring guilt and condemnation and shame if you find yourself not living in that place of abundance. That's the enemy trying to lie to you. The whole point that we've been wanting to, to speak is that as we speak this, that hope would begin to come alive in your spirit. That that kernel of hope, of expectation, of you know what? If God did it for her, oh man, he can do it for me too. So I've just been praying this morning that Holy Spirit is just gonna blow through this place as we already sang, that expectation and hope is gonna begin to rise up in our spirits and we're gonna grab a hold of that, that I can live that abundant life. Better be careful here, I'm gonna totally lose my notes. But you know what? The battle is often hardest to believe that in our minds. Because in our minds, that's where we hear those whispered lies and half-truths that will tempt us to believe that, you know what, we actually do have limits. Or we do have barriers. We have things that either we've done or we've allowed that have held us back to this point and, and we begin to get in that cycle of hopelessness that nothing could ever change. But all of those areas, all of those lies, all of that battle in our minds has to submit to the power of the word of God. Our lives begin to change when we let God change the way we think. It's a common theme in the Bible, adulting, maturing, growing up. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 14, verse 20 puts it this way. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. So today we're going to talk about temptation. 
And you know, there's so many different ways that it can happen, so many different ways that um, we can fall into it. It's so subtle. You know, we were talking the other day, Craig and I, and, and it was just, we don't usually talk about shopping or clothes, you know, it just is something that I do. And we were talking and I had, just in a random comment, I, we were talking about what we were gonna wear somewhere and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna wear that new dress next Sunday. And he's like, when did you go shopping? When did you get a new dress? And he doesn't always pay attention to those details. Usually they just slip right by. <laughs> but for some reason, he grabbed a hold of that. He's like, when did you go shopping? And I can say, in all honesty, I was so confused. I was like, when did I go shopping? Like, I was so proud of myself. I did like 98% of my Christmas shopping online. I wasn't in a single mall. And I'm like, when did I go shopping? And I was like, oh, I was at the mall the other day. He's like, you said you didn't go shopping. I'm like, I didn't. He's like, Shanda, the mall means shopping. And I was like, well, I was at the mall to return something. <laughs> Who gets me right now? Returning things and shopping are two different things, right? <laughs> so I'm at the mall and uh, I'm returning something that didn't fit. And I I just happened to walk by my favorite store. <laughs> and I, see that whole shopping, returning thing, some of you are like, now I understand her. Now I understand what he has to deal with. <laughs> so I'm walking by my favorite store and this dress is there and it's so cute. And all of a sudden I realize I need a new dress because it's there and it's cute. And hey, it is on 75% off. I'd be losing money if I left it there. You'll get the mic, you get your turn lots of times. So he's like, Shanda, that is the perfect example of temptation. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I literally was so confused. I'm gonna have to listen to this message after I'm done. <laughs> okay, where am I in my notes? So, Romans 7.15, the Passion Translation, it says, I am a mystery to myself. For what I want to do, what is, I want to do what is right, but I end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. Not that there's any condemnation in shopping at all, especially if shoes are involved. But temptation comes in so many different ways. It's actually custom fit for you. Did you know that? Temptation is custom fit for you. We have three daughters, as most of you know. You would think there's similarities, and there's some, but they are so completely different. What tempts one would not even be an issue for the next. One of our kids loves to read. We Actually, all of our kids love to read, but for one of our daughters, if there is extra, any, any extra money in her pocket, she's buying books. For another one, it's plants. 
you go into her room, it's literally like the botanical gardens. And pretty much any green thing that exists in my home is in her room because I can't keep plants alive, but she loves plants. I, one of my daughters would much rather spend a significant amount of money on a good pair of shoes where my other daughter is like all about the deal. If I can get 10 pairs of shoes for what she just spent for one, I'm in. That child's definitely more like me. But different things will trap and trigger different people. As unique as we are is as unique as temptation will be for us. Walking down the aisle in Home Depot does nothing for me. Oh, it's more tools. I did not know there were so many different kinds of nails. Nuts and bolts, Craig can stand there. Do you see all these? I'm like, can we go? But take me by a shoe store, or a store with something sparkly in it, well, what can I say? It's a little bit of temptation there. And we know. Did you know that temptation actually goes back as far as recorded time? In Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 8, it tells us the story of Adam and Eve and um, how they're in the garden and there's one tree that, that the Lord says, you can eat from anything, you can have anything you like, just don't eat of this one tree. And see, Satan came along and he just whispered quietly in Eve's ear. Just that little bit of bait that he knew was going to be something that she would grab a hold of. Oh, did God really say? Would that really happen? And it was a good thing. Because as far as Adam and Eve knew, like if they would eat of that tree, they would gain wisdom. They would gain knowledge. So it's not always negative things that, that are there to tempt us. Because you know what? Temptation doesn't equal sin. Temptation is the bait that the enemy will use to cause you to sin. Jesus was led into the wilderness just before he started public ministry, and he was tempted three times. And when you look at it, you can see that Adam and Eve were young, they were healthy, they're living in a place of abundance, good times, they're walking with God every night, they've got intimate relationship with him. You would think they had everything in their life that would have provided them with the ability to say no to temptation when it came. Jesus, but they failed. Jesus, on the other hand, was in the wilderness, all alone, hadn't eaten for 40 days. He was probably tired, emaciated, weak physically. And yet those three temptations came and he passed every one. And you know, when we think about it, we might think, well, well, he's God. But do you know when he came to earth, he left his godly abilities in heaven and he became a man just like us. But somehow he was able to withstand. One of the two things I want you to grab a hold of today is the verse in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41. If you don't remember anything else that I've said this morning, I want you to remember this, of how we can be aware and be able to overcome temptation. It says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. 
For the spirit is willing. If it was up to us and our ability and our willingness to change things in our lives, it would happen. But he goes on to say, but the flesh is weak. You know, this verse says to me that temptation is subtle. It's not obvious. If it was obvious, it wouldn't tempt you. And the context of this verse is Jesus has just come out of a powerful time of ministry in Jerusalem. The people have been excited about him. He was the guy. He was the man. He was popular. But he knew that he was in a transition season because he could see the difficult season that was coming, that pressing, that season where he knew he was about to be betrayed. And it would ultimately lead to his crucifixion. And he had pulled away to pray, Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. He brought a few of his closest disciples with him. And he said, can you keep watch? Can you pray with me? Because Jesus knew they were about to enter a difficult time as well. And they were going to be tempted to do things that they probably thought they would never, ever do, like deny Jesus. So he's giving us a key here. Keep watch. Be aware. Temptation is so subtle. It's kind of like those moments when I think about it, like a being on autopilot. Sometimes it's so subtle in our life and we end up in autopilot, we end up on autopilot without even realizing it. We come to January 1st and we're like, okay, I'm going to change this in my life. And we fully intend, right? The Spirit's willing. And then all of a sudden, it's like three years have gone by. Like Elena, like all of a sudden, it's February. What happened? I still think I'm in November. And we just get in that. It's so subtle. It just quietly comes along, and all of a sudden, time has passed. Or have you ever driven to work, and you get to work, and all of a sudden, you realize, I don't remember the last 10 minutes of that drive. I was on autopilot. <laughs> Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that your angels surround me while I travel because I really hope I stopped when I was supposed to and went when I was supposed to. It's so subtle, and it's different for everyone. Satan does not rent a billboard and put it outside your home and say, guess what? Here I come. I'm going to tempt you today. We have to be aware. We have to be watching. We have to keep watch. So what's tempting you this morning? What are you being tempted with maybe even right now? Maybe you have some commitments that you've made. Um, you, you, went, you signed up for school and you made some commitments that I'm going to do these things, do these courses. And even right now you're being tempted. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't have done that or that's not necessary. Maybe you're being tempted in the commitments that you made in a relationship with someone. And you're being tempted to throw it all away because you've, you're in hard times. Maybe you're being tempted by things you're supposed to be doing or things you're not supposed to be doing. Remember, temptation isn't sin, but it's a trap and a tool that the enemy will use to get you off course so he can get you living at less than what God desires for you. If he can keep you bound in those lies, not living that life of expectation of abundance, then he's already succeeded. I think the next thing we have to recognize is that it can happen to you. It can happen to me. If we are not aware and not watching, 
it says, so that you will not give in to temptation in Matthew 26. It doesn't say you might. Temptation, it's not a thing that, well, you might encounter this. You will encounter moments of temptation. And I think the key in this is that if we're not aware that we have areas of weakness in our life, those areas where we are susceptible to temptation, then that's when we wake up one day and find, how did I end up here? I never intended to go down this path. How did I get here? So we have to be aware that Satan is watching us. He doesn't know your thoughts. He can't read your mind. But he is aware. He's watching you. Hmm, that's a family pattern there. I see how they do that. Hmm, last time I threw that out there, she really grabbed a hold of that. So he's watching. He's looking for the exact right bait that he can use to draw you in. Maybe you have no idea while you're vulnerable. Some of us, we are more than aware of what our vulnerabilities are. But some of us have no idea. But you know, it's never too late. You can always learn how to pause and ask the Lord to show you, God, where am I vulnerable right now? What is the thing that you want to show me so gently in your love, not in condemnation? Not, you stupid idiot, you should have been aware of that. That is never how God will speak to you. And if you don't know how to hear God speak to you, you have an amazing opportunity to sign up today to, for Pastor Craig's uh, group on how to hear God's voice. So many of our church have gone through it, and I know it has been life-changing for our entire congregation. When you begin to understand that God is real, he's alive today, and he wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you stumbling around in the darkness trying to figure it out on your own. He wants to speak to you and give you the keys. Temptation is not sin. It's the bait used to cause you to sin. There's an... Is it acronym? Is that the word for it? Yeah, sorry. Had a moment. There's an acronym that is out there to help make us aware of areas that we might be vulnerable in or times when we're vulnerable. And I, I wanted to put this out there just, and you can take a screenshot of it when it goes up on the screen. It's just a tool to help us to be able, it's not going up on the screen? Okay. It's a tool that is there to help us. It's called HALTS, H-A-L-T-S. Write that down. H-A-L-T-S. And you may not have all of these. You may have one or two. You may have some, or you may have all five. So when you're hungry, it's a real thing. There is hangry, but there's hungry. When your blood sugar drops, when you're feeling like you just, you're hungry, you are more susceptible to temptation. For some of us, more than others. For some people, they're like, yeah, I can go without food. It's no big deal. For me, when I get hungry, I may not be as gracious as I normally am. And I don't know why my daughter is nodding her head so voraciously down there. But anyways, the second is angry. Okay, let's just put those two together. Hangry. When you're angry, 
Frustration happens, there's things that happen, but please do not make decisions in those moments because when you're angry, you are susceptible to being tempted to say things and do things that you may never say at any other time. Lonely, huge. When we feel lonely and alone, we are way more susceptible to doing things that we would never have considered. When we're lonely, I know for me, when I'm, when I'm lonely and I'm alone and I'm feeling a little bit down, I just, I'm, I'm like, oh, that shopping app looks really attractive right now. When you're tired, it's tea. There's a reason, if my kids are out late, that they call their dad to pick them up. Because when I get tired, I don't make the best decisions. And I probably shouldn't be driving. He's the late night and the early morning guy. It's just the way it is in our house. It's the blue job because my kids are like, mom, we want to make it home in one piece. S, I love this one. I, it, it stands for sick. If you're, if you're not doing well in your body physically, that also can be a trigger. But someone else on one of the ones I looked at online was stupid. I'm like, well, that's pretty clear too. When you're not well, when you're sick, or when you're stupid, pick the one that refers best to you. But those are also moments that we can be so vulnerable. And it's in those moments when you're tired that you begin to believe the lies and temptation comes in. When you're discouraged and that lie comes in and says, no one there actually cares about you. Why do you bother getting up and going to church on a Sunday morning? No one sees you. No one knows you. And when you're tired and when you're lonely, you begin to believe that. And then in that moment when you begin to believe that, you're tempted to isolate and to draw away and to step into things that are not good for you. We all do it. But please, do not make a permanent decision based on a temporary situation. Be aware. Keep watch. Lest you give into temptation. The other part of verse 26, or chapter 26 of Matthew, is pray. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I think we so underestimate the power of prayer. I've talked to people um, that have come and they've been sharing with me things that are going on in their life and they're like, what do I do? I'm like, we gotta pray. They're like, yeah, 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 but then what do we do? I'm like, no, we gotta pray. We gotta get on our knees and recognize where the power comes from. Our power comes from that intimate relationship that we have access to because we are sons and daughters of the Most High King. And He's the one. He's the one. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, do you know what He did? He quoted Scripture. If you don't know how to pray, just begin to pray scripture over your situation. God, I thank you that it says in your word and just begin to declare, just begin to speak, just begin to pray the Bible over what you're going through. And before you know it, things will have turned around and temptation will have no hold on you. First Corinthians 
chapter 10, verses 12 to 13 says it this way. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You're not alone. You're not the only one. We all, all of us, face temptation. Sometimes multiple times in a moment or in a day. And God is faithful. He is so faithful. Even when we screw it up and we make the wrong choice again and again and we grab a hold of that bait, he is so faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than we can stand. When we are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. But if you're not watching, you may not see the way that he's providing. Because I think a lot of us, we actually think that the way out is going to be that the temptation is going to be taken away. But I believe that it, it says he's going to show us a way out, not that he's going to show us that he's going to take it away, but he's going to show us a way out so that we can endure or make it through that moment. I love how the Passion, passion Translation puts verse 12. It says, so beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. Because you see, pride is all about doing it in your own strength. Pride is about, I don't want anybody to see this, and so I'm just going to do it myself. Whereas prayer is inviting the power of heaven to come alongside you and to partner with you and say, you've got this. I'm going to show you the way out of it. So maybe instead of praying a prayer that says, God, would you take this temptation away from me? That's a good place to start. But how about if we began to pray, Jesus, show me. Show me where I'm vulnerable. God, would you show me where, where I'm vulnerable in this? Show me what I need to do to stand. Father, I know that it says you will not give me more than I can endure, and you will show me a way out. So God, I need you right now in this moment. Would you show me where that door is? Show me how I can make it through this temptation so that I can live that abundant life that is more than I could ever hope or imagine. It's a little shift. Both were praying. So maybe let's stop praying for the temptation to go and pray, God, show me what to do in the midst of it. Show me how to overcome. Not with pride, thinking I've got it all together, I'm not tempted, because God says he opposes the proud. But his grace comes for the humble. God, I know I'm vulnerable in this area. I know I got an issue here. Please, would you come and help me? The second thing that I really felt to highlight this morning, and if you hear nothing else other than Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, as I was praying about temptation and things that we're tempted with, and uh, we can all be tempted by so many different things, I really felt the Lord highlight that there's one key area that almost all of us are tempted with at times. I feel like the Lord highlighted for me isolation. The temptation 
to withdraw, the temptation to isolate. When hard times come, when things are difficult, to just kind of withdraw and pull back. I didn't actually realize it was group Sunday until after I had prepared the message. But I think it's key, and I think it's a word of the Lord for us this morning. At team night on Friday night, uh, Nick and Sarah, who are uh, planning a church in September, Numa Church, Nick was sharing some statistics, and one of the things that he shared that I grabbed a hold of was 50% of the population would recognize and say, I feel alone or lonely. 50%. I was shocked. One out of every two people. If we split this down the middle, half the room potentially this morning could be feeling alone or lonely even in a big group of people here today. We live in a time and a culture where whether we know it or not, the message that is pushed is you're okay on your own. And because of the busyness of our lives and our schedules, we often, it's the garage door comes up, you back out in the morning, garage door goes down, you drive to work, by yourself in your own car, then you get to your office, you sit in your own cubicle, you do your business that you're doing there for the day, you get in your car alone and you drive home and you drive into the garage and you're exhausted because you've just been trying to carry so many things and get so much stuff done. And so we don't even really know our neighbors. We live alone. We live through social media. We feel like we're connected to people. It's so funny when I see someone that I haven't seen for a while and they're like, oh, I feel like I've totally kept track with your life. Because you know, you got your pictures on Facebook. You were here, this child got married, this one's gonna have a baby, all these different things. And we feel like we're connected to people. But in those moments when you're sitting in your living room by yourself, you realize I'm alone. I'm alone right now. And you know, I believe the enemy, it's kind of like in nature. Who gets picked off first? The straggler at the back, the one that's alone, that's been separated. And if the enemy can get you to a place through believing lies, he will work to separate you. A little bit at a time, just a little bit. Like I said, we get in those places and we don't even realize how we ended up there. One little decision, one little, when you're out on a boat, if you're following a course and you just vary it by even one degree, it's just a small little degree. In the short time, you don't see any difference. But if you continue to go one degree off for a long period of time, all of a sudden, you're going in a direction you never thought you would go talking with someone this week whose marriage is ending and they're like I have no idea how I ended up here like no idea could it be one step at a time the enemy just tried to isolate to get them to believe lies we have a saying at horizon and it's not just a saying it's something we firmly believe in we are better together. We are better together. Elena, can you just come stand up here, please? Oftentimes, we've been hurt by people in the past 
And so for those of us that have had that experience, it's even harder for us to get into relationship, to get into group, to get into a place where we're vulnerable because people were the ones that hurt us. And that's where we start to believe that lie that we're better off alone. But often the most powerful tool that you have to overcome temptation is to get out of isolation. I was talking with someone this week. She said, you know, I was kind of living that life of autopilot. I worked, I went to church, I served at church, I went home and I thought my life was full and was filled. And she said, six years ago, I joined a group for the first time. And today, she said, I am still living in relationship with those women that God brought around me in that group and gave me something I didn't even know I was missing. So I want to encourage you today, take a moment and step out of your comfort zone. Stop believing the lies that the enemy would say to you that it's okay to withdraw and to isolate. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Lord, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I will make a helper who is just right for him. Maybe those people that are just right for you, that six years later, you're still going to be friends with that encourage one another maybe those people that are just right for you are part of a group that you'll sign up for today and this message was not based on groups I didn't even know it was group Sunday Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 to 12 one of my favorite scriptures because there's such a moment in it of sadness and such a moment of power two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one falls alone, then the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. If she's out hiking a cliff by herself or doing life by herself, if she falls down and no one sees it, maybe she's injured, maybe she breaks her leg, who's gonna help her? She's way more susceptible to the enemy to be able to come and pick her up. But if she comes, if you go on to verse 12, it says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they will conquer. Because you see, for me, for each of us, maybe our, the, the back of us represents where we're vulnerable. I can't see my back. I can't see my blind spot. But as we stand back to back, my vulnerability is covered and I can stand. I can fight. I can walk with confidence knowing that there is someone behind me that supports me and believes in me and has my back. Thanks, hon. And I wanted us to get that picture today. We are better together. Please, this morning, do not believe the, uh, the lie of isolation, of being alone, because that puts you in a place of vulnerability where when the temptation comes, there's no one to say, what are you thinking? friend why would you believe that why are you trusting that that voice that you're hearing that tells you that you've got nothing to offer why would you believe that let me come alongside you let me link arms with you let me pray for you I'm gonna help be aware we're gonna watch we're gonna pray so that we don't fall into temptation so this morning whether it's groups or you go to grow and find that place where you can come and serve alongside someone you have the opportunity to not give in to that loneliness to not give in to the isolation 
Can you stand with me, please? Watch and pray. The most effective thing that we can do to win the battle of temptation is to get out of isolation where we only hear our own voice. As I was preparing this morning, I, I, we always want to give opportunity for those in the room that maybe don't know this Jesus that I've been talking about. Maybe you've been walking on the path of life and your journey has taken you to a place where you've been trying to do it on your own. Can I tell you this morning that there is someone who desires to come and walk right alongside you to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to give you that abundant life that he has for you? If you could bow your head right now, I just wanna give a moment of privacy. I'm gonna give an invitation. I'm not gonna ask you to come forward or do anything. I just want, um, in this moment right now, I believe that God's speaking to some people. And the first thing is, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I wanna pray for you this morning. If you're here today and you feel like you've, in, you've come into this place, you don't even know how you got here, you don't even know what's been going on, but through worship and the word, you felt inside you that this is something that is for you. Can you just raise your hand for me this morning? I wanna know who I'm praying for. If there's anyone here, you've never made that first time commitment to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For the rest of us here this morning, if you struggle with isolation and aloneness and withdrawing, can you just quickly raise your hand for me this morning? I want to pray for you. I believe that this is going to be a morning of breakthrough. It's going to be a moment like I mentioned, thank you, thank you. Like I mentioned, in 2020, this is your year. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just thank you for each and every individual that's raised their hands here this morning. Lord, I thank you that you are a God of love. You are a God of relationship. And there is more than enough power that we have access to. So Father, I pray right now that every lie of the enemy that has been spoken to individuals in their minds and that they have believed, every barrier, every bait that Satan has used to tell individuals that you are better off alone, that if you just go do it by yourself, you'll be okay, that nobody else struggles with what you struggle with. So you might wanna not be in close relationship right now because you know what, you just, you're the only one dealing with this. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would go and you would erase every lie in Jesus' name. Father, that our minds would be our own, a safe place where we would hear from you and you alone. God, that we would recognize the bait that Satan is putting in front of us and that we would begin to cry out to you in a new way. Lord, show me. Thank you for showing me where I'm vulnerable. God, would you set me free right now in this moment that I would have victory, I would have success, I would have breakthrough. Lord, I thank you that every individual this morning that can hear my 
my voice that has struggled with isolation and the lie of being alone and lonely, God, that you would rip that down right now in the name of Jesus. Father, that you would replace it with the truth. Replace it with the truth, with hope, with joy, with strength. Father, that they would come, that every individual in this room would come to understand and know that you are for them, you are not against them, and as they partner and allow people into their lives, that they will walk forth with singing and celebration. Thank you, Lord, for your breakthrough this morning. In Jesus' name.